part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you're sitting this morning, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking at that text this morning. It starts in verse 35. It's a familiar story to a lot of people. It's when the disciples are crossing over the sea, the Lake of Galilee there. And as they're going across that lake, uh, there's a sudden storm that comes up. And all of a sudden they find themselves very much in fear of their very well-being, of, of their very lives. And so we're going to read through that all together, Mark chapter 4, starting with verse uh, 35. And Seth is going to read the, the whole scripture. Then we're going to go back and kind of you know, see the application and some of the lessons and the truths that are there. Seth? Thank you. Mark 4, 35-41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they, t- they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. Amen. Have you ever been surprised at how fast life can change? I mean, it's one of those things that I think that we plot the course and we really think that, okay, this is going to happen next week, this is going to happen next month, this is going to happen in a couple of years. Uh, a lot of folks that uh, maybe as we get into our 60s, you're going to say, okay, here's the course that we're setting for retirement and we're going to put this away and we're going to work this many more years and we're going to pay off the house and we're going to do this. And we set that path and the Proverbs actually tells us that it's wise to, to set a path. It's very wise to make a plan. At the same time, it says that we're not, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we live in this tug of war between being people that want to be industrious and we want to be kind of think out life and, and have a plan. At the same time, we find out that we can make the best plans in the world and all of a sudden there's one wrinkle, there's one twist, there's one turn, and all of a sudden everything that we had planned is forever changed. We look in the scriptures this morning and we see that, you know, that can happen on a personal level. It can happen to a group. Here's the disciples. They're going across and they've been with Christ. They've, they very much have found, they, they've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do everything at this point. But I think he has not raised uh, somebody from the dead yet, but they've seen everything else. You know, impossible you know, sickness that he's been able to cure them of. Demons that he was able to extract from them and exercise from them. They've seen all of these things. And yet, as they go across, we see that they're kind of in that same mix of life that you and I are. That as we have the storms of our life, especially those sudden storms, those ones that come up all of a sudden that we really did not plan for. And we find ourselves asking some of the same questions, or maybe the exact same question that they asked. Not why did this happen, this, that, and the other. Those things come to our mind. But, but oftentimes, it's that one penetrating question. Jesus, do you not care? 
Have you ever really authentically, maybe you didn't say it out loud because you thought it was sacrilegious. You thought, okay, no, no, it's in my heart, it's in my mind, but I'm not going to say that out loud because, you know, God might hear. He already knows, okay? But have you ever been at that point, you know, just that breaking point? It could be for a moment, it could be for an hour, it could be for a week, it could be for a long time, where you really did think and, and you totally owned that question that they asked. Jesus, don't you care? Do you really not care? Well, that's what we find here. We find that life is not predictable. I mean, a car accident can come up, a job loss, a health emergency, different things like that. I mean, it, both individually, but even on a, on a corporate level as a nation. I mean, you go back December 7th, 1941, and, and the whole nation was changed in one morning, Pearl Harbor. One morning, they, they, they go to church this way, and they come home from church, and all of a sudden, the whole United States, and really the whole world, is different. In our generation, it's September 11th. We look back. And maybe for this generation, you, you know, this is where I was. I was going to work. Or I saw this. And, and you remember that in that moment, really, there was a vulnerability that you had not felt just an hour before. Are we under attack? Is this, this? You know, we didn't have answers. We didn't know. And all of a sudden, that vulnerability that has always been there, I promise you, was just made a little bit more, uh, we had awareness of it. See, I think that's the part as humans that we really kind of struggle with. We make the plans, and it's good to make plans. But we just kind of take for granted that if we make the plans, if we take the time to actually put thought and desire into it, that we're just, okay, checkbox one, checkbox two, checkbox three. And how many of y'all have lived a life where you have been able to check off each box and you're on about checkbox 21? How many of you have been able to actually do that? Exactly. And all of a sudden... You had checkbox number five was, you know, buy our first house. But the doctor says, you're going to be parents. <laughs> and you had to divert some money from, from here to there because all of a sudden the checkbox that you had as number nine became number five. Surprise, surprise. As we look at this text, we begin to see uh, a really, um, to me, a living out of an Old Testament text that talks about this struggle that we have. It's in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. And look what it says. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It says two things. It's two parts to that verse. It's okay. Many are the plans of man. Well, we make a lot of plans. How many of you have already thought, maybe even made a deposit uh, on vacation for the summer? I mean, still several months off. Okay, several hands there. Yeah. You're going, okay, look, if you're going to get the right place, Tracy, right? Yeah, you, you better get on there. You got the ship already. I mean, the cruise is already booked, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and so many are the plans of man. He doesn't say that that's a bad thing. Notice that he's not saying that that's a bad thing. But he says, please understand that along with the plans of man, as you're, as you're making plans for your life, realize that there is another thing that's kind of acting here. And that is the purposes of God. And that in his great wisdom, God not only knows our future and what it holds, but he has sovereign purpose in that future. And that last part is really what we want to talk about today, is that we are not left at the whim of this world. 
rarely, rarely, if ever, will I ever speak of politics from this position. But I want to use it as an illustration. This is not a political statement. This is more of an illustration. I, I am totally fed up with the whole political scene right now. Okay, so this is an illustration. This is not a political comment. And the only solace that I have, both kind of as a, an American or a person, as I look at all the things that are happening up there, is that God is still sovereign. And I don't use that as a little bumper sticker. Well, you know, God is sovereign. No, either that's going to give us peace at the end of the night, or it's not. Either we're going to rest in that, or we really are going to think that we're at the whims of, of every wind of culture and every wind of everything that's out there. And the Bible says that we're not. And especially as we are owned by Christ, as we are in Christ, and as we're walking with Christ, folks, we are not at the whims of the world. I promise you. And so we begin to look at this and we see that there's man's plans, there's God's promises. We've been told that in the Old Testament. Now we begin to see that. And I I have this question for you, and I don't expect you to be able to totally wrestle with it in this moment. But when you read Proverbs 19.21, let's read it again. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In other words, you make your plans, but God has sovereign purpose for each one of our lives. Question this morning. Do you find comfort in that? Or are you disturbed by that? I mean, there's a part of it that could be very disturbing, especially if you're an achiever. If you're one of those that, you know, achievement-oriented, and you like your list, and you like to do number four after number three, and you're going to proceed on to number five. If you're a list person, there's a part of that verse that's kind of scary, like, okay, I can make my plans, and somehow maybe those plans, as hard as I try, as hard as I would work my efforts, that they may be thwarted by the purpose of God. There could be a part of that that's very frustrating. There's another part of it, as we just explained, maybe on the political scene of today, that there's comfort in that. We see the craziness of our culture. We see the craziness of the world. And we're going, none of this makes sense anymore. And yet there is one thing that makes sense, and that is God is on his throne. He's given us his son, Christ, and we can have new life and transform minds. And one day transform bodies through him. So that's the challenge that we see there. And we see that God is, we're making plans. God has sovereign purposes for our life. And we begin to see that vulnerability that comes in our lives, that no matter how good you are at planning, no how, how many strategies you have, if you have it in a notebook, if you have it in a Word document, if you have it printed out, that there's still the vulnerability of life that you don't know and I don't know what's going to happen by 6 o'clock tonight. And we can either have confidence in the last part of this verse, or we can be frustrated with it. Let's see how the disciples reacted. Let's get back to Mark chapter 4 now. After a long day of teaching, uh, we see right before there, uh, Jesus tied three different parables that Matthew and Luke actually separate, but, but we believe that probably those teachings came together for a purpose. And, and Mark, he puts them all together for that purpose. And uh, Jesus is exhausted. He's been around the people all day. He's been teaching all day. He's been out on a little boat so that they could hear him. The boat, maybe from here to the back doors, set out in the water so that his voice could carry. People gathered around listening to the, the teachings that day. And, and here's what happens in verse 35. It says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. 
It's the other side of the lake. It's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's really a lake. And, um, and I've been on that lake before, and it's one of those. It can be really smooth. I mean, it, crystal clear uh, or crystal uh, clear and kind of flat one moment. You get out there, and all of a sudden, in the boat that we were on, uh, was a little bit bigger than the boat that Jesus would have had. And, and yet we were kind of rocking back and forth. You could still see land all the way around you. There's never a place on uh, this Sea of Galilee where you cannot see land. So you have that kind of comfort, but you also see that mountain and the horizon going up and down. It's just uh, the way that the geography is there, since it's surrounded by mountainous land, winds come in there like a funnel, and they kind of swirl around. And so it's known to be a place that it can be smooth. And just like this, one moment, and, and five minutes later, once you get out there in the middle of the sea, it's all of a sudden be dark and cloudy and waves start coming up. That, that was the occasion here. They make plans to go the other side. And leaving the crown, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was. In other words, they had a couple boats, and they just kept Jesus in that boat, and, and they went with him. So plans were made. The course was set. But look what happens in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat began filling. Uh, The NIV, that's from the ESV. Uh, In the NIV, it says it this way. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. I forget the name. Uh, I guess it was Perfect Storm. We were watching Perfect Storm the other night. And it came on, and we're going, okay, we would not want to be those guys. If you've ever seen that movie, I mean, the boat is, is like a cartoon. They're going up and down and up and down. And I don't know that it was quite like that this night, but it was enough for experienced fishermen, many of those disciples, that it not only grown up on the lake, but they had lived their life on this sea, on this lake, their entire life, fishing by trade, that they were alarmed. This wasn't you and I, tourist Bobby, going out in the Holy Land, making our rounds and going, okay, let's go out there, and all of a sudden we get on a little rough seas, and we're going, whoa. These are guys that lived on the sea. That was their profession. We have Peter, we have different ones like that. This was their profession, many of them. This was not unusual for them to be in some storms, but not like this storm. In fact, Look at that. There's a word in verse 37. It says, and a what kind of windstorm? Great. The Greek word there is megas, where we get the word mega from. Mega meaning big, huge. And, and, and so this wasn't a storm. This wasn't a, a little bit of a storm. This wasn't kind of a, you know, a medium size. This was a mega storm. The word there means it was huge. And this huge storm comes, and it's sudden. And then we begin to see what happened. This calm sea, look, look at uh, verse 38. In fact, uh, yeah, let's go back to that. Let me go ahead and show the, the boats. More than likely, uh, these were the boats. Uh, they have found a boat from the, about the time of Jesus. They call it the Jesus boat. Uh, and this more than likely would have been the type of boat that they would have been on. You can fit five, six, ten, eleven, twelve men in that. You're going from, see how the mountains are in the background? If you looked on the other side, if they gave you the other view, you would have seen the same type of mountains on this other side. One thing about the Holy Land, we think it's this really big, huge place. It's really kind of small. And when it says that Jesus saw the next city, it, 
when you walk on the shoreline, you can see from Capernaum over to this city and that sort of, it's, it's a lot smaller than a lot of people would think. And so, you know, you go out there and you're, you're going, okay, we're going from that mountain, just reverse that picture, to this other mountain. You're going, this really isn't that hard. We never got out to a place where we didn't see land anymore. We left land. There's where we're going. But aren't those the storms that kind of catch you the most by surprise? I mean, it's one thing if you're sailing and you lose sight in the horizon of land and you look around on that nice cruise, Tracy, and all you can see is water everywhere. And it's beautiful when it's sunny, but all of a sudden the storm starts getting up. You're going, I wish I saw what? Land. I wish I saw land. And I sure hope the captain knows where the land is. So they're out there. They, they see land. They're, they're going to land. They're, they never lose sight of land. But those are the tests of life. Those are the storms of life that really kind of get you the most by surprise. Because those are the ones that don't have the big question marks. Those are the ones we plotted the course. We made the plans. We were going from here to here. And we never left sight of where we were coming from and where we were going to. See, I believe that there's a lesson here. Sometimes we believe God for the times that we just don't see land. I mean, isn't it easier to kind of have faith in the unknown when you don't have a clue of where land is? But if you chart the course and you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do the next two years of my vocational life, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make this strategy and this strategy. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next week the boss comes in and says, uh, sorry, we're cutting back and uh, we're going to let you go. You're going, wait, 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 I, I saw land. <laughs> this was my course. I've worked here for 23 years. And I charted out these last three years. And I just predicted that this is where I would be in two years. And then, and then that boss says, well, I'm sorry. Those are the hard storms of life. And, and that's what happens here. And so they're going off, and, and, and the storm comes up. Even these fierce uh, fishermen that are used to uh, the, the seas get nervous. And look what happens in verse 38. They're looking for Jesus, and, and they can't find him. It says, but he, that is Jesus, was in the stern. He's in the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, what? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, that's the question I really want us to ask, you know, this morning. That, you know, that kind of thought process in our mind and our heart, when we get to those unpredictable twists and storms of life, where we say, okay, not just what's going to happen here, are we going to live or die, but God, don't you care? Could there be something more drastic than even if we live or die? Could there be a more penetrating question than just our, our, you know, physical well-being? I think this is deeper than that. I mean, from, from, from my vantage point, yes, life and death. But spiritual, in your soul, questioning? I mean, is that just me? Or would you see that that, maybe, maybe, maybe that's just a little bit deeper of a question. Not just if I live or die, that's pretty important. But getting to a place where you wonder if God cares. This last week when my dad... Uh, it's a question of life and death. We didn't know if he'd have weeks, you know, months. We were hoping for years. 
And when he passed uh, the other night, you know, we had come to a realization that it was just days. The, the question really in our hearts and in lives, I'm being honest with you, wasn't living and dying at that point. We really came to a piece about that. A bigger question that we didn't approach, and not because we had great faith, but just because of the mercy and the grace of God. I'm glad we didn't have to go through. God, don't you care? I'm so glad that he preceded us in grace. But we're not always going to be there. I have been to that last question many times in my life. Because listen what they're asking. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Not just we might die here, but don't you care that we might die here? There's a difference in that question. And the difference in that question is an unrest of the soul. It's not an unrest of the longevity of life. It's an unrest of the character of God and where you are in that you know, kind of relationship with the character of God. In Luke, the same story, Luke says, Master, Master, we're going to drown. There's a sense of urgency there. Matthew says it this way, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. I mean, there's a a frustration there. There's a question there that comes. And it brings us to probably one of the most eternal questions as a pastor, as a hopeful theologian that I ever come to. Okay, God, if you can, why don't you? can cure cancer, why why don't you? If you can heal my marriage, then why don't you? If you can do this, then why don't you? And, and, you know, I, I would believe that many of us here this morning really don't have a question if God has the ability to do something. I would think that many people here this morning, if not all of us here this morning, if I just ask you, can God do this? You would, I think you would almost automatically, instantly say yes. So it leaves only that second part of the question that, that really we are struggling with sometimes. Okay, God, if you can, then why don't you? It's that vulnerability. It's that kind of being in the throes of that tension of knowing that God can, but that he doesn't always. This past week, that's where my mom, just to be real honest with you, that's where my mom struggled. She's very much a praying woman. She had prayed every prayer that she knew. Being Catholic, she had said the rosary. She said, I mean, she did everything. I mean, the Catholics, uh, I I love them. They have a lot of things that you can do, okay? That just leads us, okay, go pray about it. I mean, there's some things that you can, there's a checklist, you know, that you can kind of go off. If you have a Catholic background, you kind of know that you may be familiar with that. And so she was doing all those things. And here's the hardest part for my mom this last week, last couple of weeks. I did all these things. And yet he's not getting better. But folks, you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to, 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 to be Christian. You don't have to be, you, know, you just have to be human to come to a place in life, in the sudden storms of life, to, to come to that place. Okay, teacher, you, you can do something about this, but why aren't you? Don't you care? And that's really what comes out here. Don't you care that we're perishing? Verse 39. And he awoke, that is, Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a calm. 
Is that what it says? Oh, what kind of calm? A great calm. Uh, guess what Greek word that is? Megas. There's a great storm. He says the words, peace be still, and guess what comes? A great calm. For, for the great storm, there's a great answer in Christ. And he says, okay, there was a great storm in your life, but I'm going to give you a great calm. In other words, I don't think that they went from 10-foot waves down to about 3-foot waves to where all those experienced fishermen said, okay, now we can handle this. We've been here before. I really believe. Anybody have been out on Lake Lanier early on a Saturday morning when it was like glass and you were the first one skiing that morning? I think it was like that. I think when he said those words, it wasn't just, okay, now we can handle this little bit of rocking. I think when he said, peace be still, and there was a great calm, I think instantly the wind stopped, the water ceased, and it was like they were on the most terrific, wonderful flat lake that you could ever imagine. And look what happens in the next verse. Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? There's an implication in those two questions. Number one, why are you so afraid? There's an implication that they should not be afraid. And there's an implication to that last question. Have you still no faith? He doesn't say, do you have faith? Do you still have no faith? What is he referring to? He's going, okay, guys, these are his 12 disciples. You've seen me cast out demons. You've seen me, you know, come up and debate against the scholars of the world and defeat them soundly time and time again. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you've seen me get sickness and disease out of diseased bodies. They were that way from, from the beginning of their, their life. It wasn't just that they got a cold, but you saw people who had been lame for life, and now they're walking. In other words, what God is saying there and what Christ is referring to, he said, look, I understand that you don't have complete faith, but did you not take, did it not give you some peace of what you already know about me? Have you not seen enough of me so far to know that while this is the unknown, there is a known factor in here, and that known factor is me. There's our faith. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but do you know Christ? There's an unknown factor to every one of our lives, but you can know Christ. His word tells us who he is, that he would love us so much that he would die in our place, take our sins so that we might be redeemed to a holy God and have eternity with him and not just some ticket to heaven, but this life. What well, Christ is asking, look, there's a lot of unknown, but what do you know? And every one of us, guys, every one of us will face that in our lives. There will always be the unknown. But here's the good news of the gospel. There is a known. There is a known. Do we trust the character of God? Do we trust the purposes of God enough to know that he's always working together for good, for our conforming, our transforming to the likeness of Christ? Do we trust that enough? Last verse, verse 41. And they were, that is the disciples, were filled with fear. Is that what it says? Great fear. Guess what Greek word that is? You're, you're now Greek scholars, okay? 
You can go home and say, you know what the Greek word for great is? Megas. They had a great storm. And they come to this place where he brings a great calm. And when the disciples saw that, it said that they had, they had a great fear. Now, this is not the kind of spooky, you know, going through the haunted house on Halloween night kind of fear. This is that awe and respect. This is Isaiah chapter 6, where he sees the holiness of God, and he says, I don't need to be here. I'm not worthy to be here. It's that kind of awe and respect. They noticed that they were in the presence of holy God. Because look what the remarks. Who then is this? Now, they've been spending every waking hour with him. And yet what they saw, even after all these miracles, after all the teaching, they asked this question, who then is this? We've been around this guy 24-7 for months, years maybe by this point. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It said that they had this megas fear, megas phobos. And the megas phobos that they had, this, this big fear that they had, this great fear that they have, is not the storm. What do they have a great fear of? Of Christ. That even the winds and the seas obey him. There's a song out. Uh, Janet, did you sing that song? Where's Janet? Uh, did you sing that song, the mix of It Is Well With My Soul, with uh, what's the other part? I'm just going brain dead. See, I had to ask you, didn't I? And Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and where, you, you know, where they incorporate that even the wind and the sea still know his name. That's the God you serve, guys. We know no more than those disciples know. There could be a megas storm right around the corner from us this afternoon. We have no idea. We can make our plans. We can chart the course. We can do everything that intelligent, kind of schooled, educated people do. And we can try to pull all those things off. And there is nothing wrong with those. The Bible says make plans. Just keeping the fact that nothing's guaranteed to understand what the Lord's will is. So we live in this world where there are still Magos storms. But I just want you to know that, there, that we live in a time when the finished work of Christ can give you a Magos calm and that the wind and the seas, they still know His name. So here's the challenge. If God can... And why doesn't he? If God can cure this, if he can put this back together, he can make a marriage work, if he can change hearts and lives, then why doesn't he change this? Why doesn't he change that? If he can, then why doesn't he? And, and folks, that's where we just have to come back and say, okay, God, well, we don't know all the circumstances. We don't know what you're working here. But we do believe that with all of our hearts that you're always working perfection for us. You're always working a purpose. Well, we are not here uh, the early, some of the early uh, American fathers, they were what we call deists. And the deist belief basically was that there was very much a God, but that God kind of made this world, made all the people, gave the globe one big spin, and then stepped back, and, and now we're kinda at, uh, kind of, you know, at the whim of the world. 
Uh, that's not the complete theology of deism, but it's, it's kind of the, the overall thought process. And everything in the Bible counters that. It says, no, we don't have a God who gave the world a big spin, and now you're at the whim of culture or the winds of storms. No, he says, no, I'm right there in your boat. He said, I'm right there, and I'm still the God who calms storms. The winds still obey my voice. And so my prayer for us this morning as a church, as a body, living in this world where people are frantically making, plotting out the course of their life and and leaving land and seeing land over here, that, that we would be examples of a faith that truly transcends sometimes common sense, sometimes what we desire, but that we would know that even when the storms of life come and those mega storms come and he brings a mega storm, that we would still have that mega fear. It's a healthy fear, guys. Who is this then? That even the storms, even the waves, even the winds obey his voice. That's the God you can serve. Who is this then? That's the God who saved you. It's a God that you can pray for. You don't need a priest. You don't need a father. You didn't need him. You don't need. You can bow to him this morning. You can say, "Okay, God, I, I just I want to know you. Who is this then? I, I want to know who you are, and I want I want to have that." In the same way that that uh, Job did, Job, who, who went through all kinds of suffering, and he said this in, in Job thirteen fifteen. He said, "Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. Though you slay me." Yet will I trust in you? It's the same faith that Abraham, that he calls up and he lays his son there to, on the altar. And, and, and Isaac says to him, Dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham, in faith, responds that God will provide the lamb. It's the same faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember the story of those three? They're about to get put in the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar gives them one more chance. He says, okay, because I like you guys. If you just go ahead and bow down now, you don't have to go put, be put in that fiery furnace. And do you remember their response? Our God can save us from this, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. In other words, we believe God can. We don't know if God will or not. And we see the ultimate picture of this kind of faith in the character of God, in the purposes of God, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Christ comes, not denying that he's going to go to the cross, but, but really what he's saying, is there another way? He's saying, is there any other possible way still to have the redemption of man? But is there any other way except for this cross where I take on literally the sins of the world, the sins of all these people? But what was his ultimate testimony that night? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's where we need to be. It's going to be a life process, guys. Because some of us right now are probably a little bit closer to, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing here? And then others may be a little bit more mature in their faith right now. And you may be poor in that point where, okay, God's going to provide the lamb. (laughs) Though you slay me, I I will still praise you. I mean, we're going to be in all the mixture of those faiths. I just want you to know this morning, that Christ is sufficient for those questions. And he's already answered the question when he died on Calvary, rose again, and gave us victory. The God you can serve this very day, the winds and the seas 
they still know his name. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Father, this morning we, we thank you this familiar story to many of us. Maybe it's brand new to somebody who uh, just hasn't had that, that good pleasure to grow up in a church. And maybe they're hearing it for the first time. And I pray that you would write it upon their hearts and upon their lives. And Father, I pray that this very morning, that whether it's the first time we've ever heard this, or we're hearing it for the tenth, a hundredth time, that Father, you will uh, bring out new uh, truth to where we are this very morning and what we need. Father, for those that very much, maybe even this week, they didn't say it in these words, but Father, they are, they are in a, a state of heart and mind where they have thought, God, don't you care? Father, I, I pray this morning that, that you would just usher them closer to you. Father, you just bring them close to you and hold them. For those who have had Abraham-type weeks, where those around them have said, Where, where's the lamb for sacrifice? And they've been able to be bold enough in their faith, mature enough in their faith, to say, God will provide the lamb. Father, bless them and keep them. Because we need those examples of faith to encourage us in our own weakness from time to time. Father, our attention does not need to be on us this day or even those godly examples around us. Father, we put our focus on your Son. Who is this then? That even the seas and the waves and the wind obey his voice. Teach us that person this morning. Father, draw us close to that person. Help us to find peace in our soul, rest in our lives in that person, the person of Jesus Christ. As we pray all this in the power of his name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.